It's time for OWC Radio, Tech Talk with Creatives, conversations with host Serena Catania. I am about to meet a new friend today, and I want you to join in because I think this is going to be really fun. BJ Morgan is the marketing manager with the NAM Museum of Making Music, and they have some amazing programs. And OWC actually gets lots of letters from people talking about how happy they are that they were able to experience it, particularly young people. So we're going to talk more about the museum. We're going to meet B.J. Morgan and come on along for the ride. Welcome to OWC Radio, B.J. Morgan. I've already introduced you and people are just really excited about what you're doing over there. So can I just start out with a very basic question? Tell people who, I can't imagine that they wouldn't know, but tell people who don't know, what is NAM? Oh, yes, that's a fantastic question. So NAM, the acronym N-A-M-M, stands for the National Association of Music Merchants. And NAM is a over 100-year-old trade association. And what it does is it, it represents the people, families, companies, businesses that make musical products that sell musical products encompass that entire ecosystem. So they support that environment. They came together in, in the early 1900s to bring together these manufacturers and, and establish trade practices, advocate for the benefits of making music, and just strengthen the music products industry. And the music products industry is, is the ecosystem of musical instruments, how they come into being, how they go through their channels to get to you and I, and then also, you know, the important part of that is what happens to them when they achieve their purpose to make music, what benefits comes from that. So NAM is the kind of the centerpiece around that industry, doing advocacy work, bringing together these communities and furthering the advancement of the music products industry. So I've been hearing about you for a very long time, obviously, but I have a confession. I've never been to NAM. Oh, well, a lot of folks explain it like if you're a musician and are aware of that world, it's like being a kid in a candy store when you go to the NAM show. Then the NAM show, people think of it as the annual event here on the West Coast in California, traditionally in Anaheim, though it's moved around throughout the history of NAM. But it's where all the makers come together, all the companies that make instruments, all the retailers from the very large retailers to the very independent retailers, their associates, business representatives, educators, musicians, endorsers, which a lot of people get excited about to see those high profile star endorsers come to a manufacturer's booth and demonstrate at one of their products. So it's where it's at if you're a musician or have an interest in musical instruments. It's like being a kid in a candy store. You know, I used to be when I lived in Europe. So I think I'm going to renew my love of music. I'm going to go this year for sure. OWC is going to be there and I'm meeting you through Chris Koistra there. So I have to thank Chris for introducing us. And this is awesome. It's mega billions of dollars on top of the creative side of it. There's a huge industry surrounding music. It's actually, if you do your research, it's the number one destination for people on the internet is searching for music. For people in social media, they're searching for music. That's the number one over the film and television industry. So 
I'm very excited about it. So I'm definitely going to be wandering around. <laughs> when is it and where this year? Because I think, didn't the date change this year a little bit? It did a little bit. And, you know, just because in the response to this pandemic, that's really been, you know, challenging everyone, all industries, including the music products industry. It's really reinforced that we strive for connection as human beings. It's part of our core music. And the NAMM show, they uh, decided in response to the pandemic to make sure everybody was safe and healthy and whatnot. They've moved it to June 3rd through the 5th, 2022 in Anaheim at the convention center there. And myself being part of the NAMM Museum of Making Music, we'll be there as well, just kind of talking to people and making those connections for all the attendees that are going to the NAMM show and experiencing that. All right. That's a great segue because my next question was going to be about the museum. Tell us about that. I'm really excited about that. That is my wheelhouse. The museum is part of NAM. It's part of the NAM Foundation, actually. Foundation does a lot of the advocacy, does a lot of the promoting the benefits of making music for all ages, for everyone out there, and really helps making it possible for people to get access to, to making music. It's a, you know It's a right that we all have is to experience that. And so the museum is a program of the NAM Foundation. We're one of the many programs that they do. We've been open to the public since 2000, so over 22 years now. And like I told you what NAM does, the museum actually celebrates the accomplishments and the impact that people have, the manufacturers, the people, the company, the businesses, the people who are involved in the making, the providing of the instruments, and then the people that use the instruments, uh, just like you and I, or the, you know, the world-famous musicians. You know, what happens when the rubber hits the road, when you make these wonderful instruments and you innovate and you design and develop and you have something wonderful and then you send it along its way. The folks that make it possible to get the instruments, the the mom and pop retailers or the online retailers, what happens when it hits your hands? What wonderful music is made and what wonderful benefits do we experience? So the museum captures and celebrates those stories. We are in Carlsbad at the international headquarters of NAM. So we're in NAM headquarters. That's where they do all the planning for the trade shows. That's where they do all their membership work, all their advocacy and, and the great things that NAM does. The museum's actually housed in their headquarters on the first floor. And it's been open to the public, like I said, for 22 years. Anybody can come visit any day of the week, except Monday. Monday is the only day we're closed, as well as a couple of national holidays. So anytime you're in Carlsbad or visiting West Coast, make sure you come by the museum to check it out. So did I drag you in on your day off? This is part of what I do is really uh, getting folks excited about the museum, sharing sharing that with others and sharing it to the world. And you know, you're close to me. I'm in San Diego. I'm going to have to visit. You have programs for all ages. I noticed some things for young people too. Oh yeah. Anybody can visit the museum. I liken it to if you have an appreciation or some connection to a favorite song or something that you love about music, it's for everybody. You don't have to be a musician. You don't have to be an artist. You can be just somebody that loves music as part of your life, part of your experience, which I think encompasses just about everyone I know. But yeah, any age. And yes, we have many programs at the museum from field trips, from educational programs. We'll bring in local schools. A lot of what we do is serving Title I schools, where a lot of the the kids are coming from maybe lower economics communities. So we actually sponsor and subsidize and pay for these tours and the transportation to get these kids into the museum for free, as well as we have a band program for older adults. We have a string orchestra for older adults. We do concerts. We do family activities 
activities there, and we do special exhibitions. We have a core story that we tell at the museum, but we also are able to change it up from time to time in a, in a nice special exhibition room. So we change the theme. Right now, currently, we're talking and showing the life of guitarist and innovator Les Paul. Uh, it's a uh, photography exhibit. And then on the horizon, we have another exhibition titled What Good Is Music, where we're going to explore the impact that it has on individuals' lives, how we connect to each other, and then what impact music has on the world. It's so important. There was a social media posting recently of the Ukraine National Symphony playing in the middle of the war. Just gets to me. That's an extreme. And it is one of those moments, one of those touch points where we really look to it and say, that is what it means to really use music as a connector for social impact. Music has many different meanings and making music is a different experience. And it's something that, you know, we really want people to experience, to pick up an instrument, try it out, or at least learn where it came from. You start connecting your, yourself to a broader community, to a larger purpose and meaning. Absolutely. It's a global language, isn't it? Mm -hmm. What about you? What's your background? How did you end up at NAM? Oh, gosh. I'm a musician. So I've been playing music since I was a kid. My folks started me off on piano lessons as a very small boy in, in Midwest Indiana. And so I did piano for a long time. It was a good starter instrument. And when you get to late elementary school age, middle school age, you have an opportunity to join the band program. And they don't have piano in band, apparently. So I ended up making the switch to drums and percussion. That's what I was able to lock into because of the xylophone or the marimba or other mallet instruments where it looks like a piano keyboard. I'm like, I recognize that. I can connect to that. And so that was my gateway into drums and percussion. And I've been playing drums for, gosh, 30 some odd years now. Not, that's not how old I am, but that's how long I've been playing drums. So I went to school. Music was part of my identity at that point. And I went to college and pursued a degree in music business administration. And as I was wrapping up my college experience, my advisor, Jim Slutes, he recommended that I pursue an internship with NAM because it was kind of the heart and soul of the program that we were studying, that music business administration. We actually studied the manufacturers and the retailers in that ecosystem. And I applied for the internship and got it. And six months later, I had said, I love it here at NAM. It's a wonderful group of people to work with. It's a wonderful cause, the museum. What can I do here? Where do I fit? And they were able to find a spot for me there at the museum. It was a fledgling organization, only about six months old at the time. And so I ended up taking on the marketing and development duties early on. That's a pretty big chunk to take a bite out of. And uh, fortunately, we were able to hire some more wonderful staff people and diversify those different roles. And, but I kept on with marketing and promotions and publicity. And that's what I have continued to do for the museum for the past almost 22 years now. And so both NAM and the museum are nonprofit organizations, right? It's a different kind of nonprofit. So as I said, NAM serves the music products industry. So they actually are a member organization, membership-based organizations. Kind of like the Producers Guild. Yeah, they're 401c6, I believe, is the designation. So their members are the manufacturers, their members are the retailers, and all the other constituents involved in the music products industry. Whereas the NAM Foundation, and by association, us being a program of the NAM Foundation, we are a 401c3 nonprofit charitable organization. So yes, we are serving the public the museum is. So does the museum go on the road at all, or do people come to you all the time? We typically keep it in-house. We're a pretty small organization, not huge. The museum is a very locally, regionally focused organization. So a lot of what we do, we try and bring people inside 
to our walls to let them experience that. We've opened up a little bit more. The recent pandemic has really helped us refocus and pivot a little bit, whereas I really learned how to quickly develop a streaming series, a web stream series uh, where we invited everyone from around the world to come and uh, learn about the museum and learn about wonderful artists, wonderful music manufacturers, retailers, basically the storyline we were able to share beyond our borders. Where do people go to find that? Can they still see the series? Of course. In fact, they can visit our website. The series we call Mom at Home, M-O-M-M, is the Museum of Making Music. So it's it's, it. it's a fun acronym, Mom. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. We call the series Mom at Home since everybody was at home. And you can find that on our website, www.museumofmakingmusic.org, and uh, search for the Mom at Home link uh, from the menu bar. So the whole business of music has really changed from the good old days when, for example, MTV was just uh, a test in, in going out in test markets, right? Mm -hmm. So let me ask this question to you. Given the fact that the music business is really constantly changing, how does NAM get involved to help? the makers of the products that all the musicians use? Are they an advocacy group or how, what do they do? NAM's big driver of community is that trade show that they do every year. So this trade show brings in all of the different communities together to basically create business out of that. So when you have retailers and manufacturers meeting, they get to see all the new products that are coming out. They get to do all their orders and plan for the year. And then yes, NAM does a lot of advocacy work and a lot through NAM and through the NAM Foundation going to Capitol Hill and talking to the people that make decisions at the higher levels to make sure music is at the forefront of everyone's mind and that it is part of our, you know, education system. And then any policies that would affect the creation of musical instruments, if there's import-export or if there's materials, you know, restrictions on materials, then yes, that's going to affect people who make instruments. It's going to ultimately affect people who sell those instruments. And so, there's not any one part of the music products industry that NAM focuses on. They try and make sure that everyone benefits through their work and raises, as they say, when the tide rises, it lifts everyone up. So they are the ones that are trying to make sure the tide is rising for everyone and making sure that we're growing in that industry and that we're all successful. Not everyone's going to be successful in the industry because 95% of New innovations can fail and there's, you know, you have certain successes. And so they do also at the NAMM show, they do a lot of professional development. So they do education sessions on operating a better business or being better social media content creators to improve their businesses. So that's kind of part of the work that NAM does. And then part of the work that the museum does is recognizing, like, say, the innovations that come out of the industry, like when you're innovating on a guitar or the innovations from a, an acoustic guitar to an electric guitar, what impact that had and how the, those makers changed and why they changed and then how that impacted the people who were selling guitars and electric guitars and then how that impacted the kids starting garage bands and the music that they made out of that. So we try and mirror what NAM is doing as a global organization in the museum story too. Do you also curate what goes into the museum? I know it sounds like you're wearing a lot of different hats. Do I know? Fortunately, one of my colleagues is the curator and artifacts manager, Dr. Jonathan Piper. My specialty is more along the marketing side, more along the, the design and desktop publishing, creating the collateral, doing the social media, doing concerts and events. I do front of house and whatnot, but Jonathan is, is the one who helps guide that storyline along. We all kind of have input, but he's really the person behind all those wonderful exhibits and what's on display there. 
You know, marketing has really changed as well. I mean, we used to have agencies that did all the work yeah. for us, right? <laughs> They're still out there, especially like independent agencies. And we've used some really wonderful people in, in the San Diego area that have helped us spread our message. Because even as a small team, you, you really want to rely on people's expertise to help spread the word. Yeah, it's a lot more than just posting. There's a lot that goes into understanding marketing as a business and being the ally of your client that you're supposed to serve, right? Absolutely. So you need to understand all aspects of the business, all aspects of how NAM works and what they need and how the museum works and what it needs. And then you can make decisions about what and how and when and where to spread the word. I'm really curious. Do press releases still work? <laughs> yes, they do. They do work. What has the most impact is is the networks you create, the, the relationships you create with people who have the expertise to to help and to to help promote your work and to get you out there too. So, I mean, it's, it's all about relationships. It's finding the people who are wonderful at what they do, recognizing them for their talents, and then just developing those relationships. And it shouldn't be a one-sided relationship. It needs to go both ways. You appreciate the folks that are out there helping you and, and, and they appreciate being able to help and finding ways to push us all to success. I think in the creative world, we move in packs and there's a reason for that, right? There's, there's safety in numbers. There's, comfort in numbers and working with people that you've worked with before. That's always wonderful when you can sort of move together into the new zones. It's great. But I know that OWCs, they just really love what you're doing. And I'm excited. I'm, I'm going to actually go to Carlsbad. And I'm definitely, now the pandemic is over, I can get out once in a while. It is so nice. So can you tell people a little bit more about, now you're doing Les Paul, what do you have planned for the near future or how long is the Les Paul exhibit going to last? What are they going to see if they buy a ticket and walk in today? In addition to the exhibits that we feature every day at the museum, and th those exhibits encompass making of the instruments. That gallery there, it talks about the different changing influences that impacted why makers made the instruments the way they did. The second gallery talks about providing the instruments. And that takes a historical look at the retail side of things uh, all the way back to the 1890s, what it was like to walk into a retail store over 100 years ago. And so we, we look at what society was like, what music people were listening to, and, and how selling an instrument changed over time. And then we have, after that, an immersive multimedia gallery that showcases what happens when people are using the instruments. So from those big famous artists, we have a lot of wonderful photography uh, donated by the Morrison Hotel Gallery, which includes Henry Diltz. Henry Diltz. <laughs> I love Henry. <laughs> he is a wonderful, wonderful, kind, compassionate human. And he's an amazing photographer and uh, we have we have a wonderful relationship with him and he's done so much for us a lot of the photographs that were part of this third gallery he donated and contributed to and and through he and rich at the morrison hotel gallery helped us develop our network of friends to create this wonderful experience that you know all of our visitors get to see for those of you listening in henry diltz actually i have interviewed him there's a couple of interviews with him on owc radio he's amazing he's known throughout the world as the woodstock photographer right i mean he he was there in the middle of woodstock and got all those iconic images and then in the laurel canyon days lived in laurel canyon right down the street from all those very famous musicians and 
everybody used to just hang out and Henry always had a camera with him and he's very talented, but he's just so pleasurable to talk to. He's a riot. Henry's funny. That's so cool. I, d- I didn't know this. So six degrees of separation, right? I love this about the world. That's great. I love tangents like that. Yeah. I, go look up Henry Diltz right now. Pause this podcast, go look it up and then come back and listen that gallery features, like I said, it's a floor to ceiling, 270 degrees, three walls, multimedia experience exploring what happens when artists get instruments. And then our fourth gallery is called Beyond the Instruments. So it explores what happens when instruments take on meaning just more than what they are, more than just being an item that makes music, which is quite amazing in and of itself. But when instruments become art pieces or centerpieces for social change or cultural change or uh, sanctuary, you know, we use music to create a place for us to be comfortable in. Can you think of an example that we can visualize? This is radio, so we can't see anything. Absolutely. So think of a music box or think of a a record player or think of a celeste which has this really bell-like tone it is the dance of the sugar plum fairies it creates this environment that you become part of that is magical that is more than just the music that it encompasses you know when we have a very famous steinway piano in there called the victory vertical it's painted this olive drab green color and it was created in the 1940s specifically for world war ii to be sent to the troops in order to boost morale imagine being in a war unforgiving place to be and so recognizing that steinway was commissioned and was able to create musical instruments to be sent to those people who are caught up in that in order to help them find a sanctuary to find a place where they could temporarily escape that environment that's one example there's others that i would encourage you to explore when you get to the museum finally well not exactly finally it's the penultimate areas where it's our sit and play our innovation area our interactive innovation area where you can sit and try out an electric guitar. We have a Hofner bass there. We've got electric drums, keyboards, all kinds of wonderful instruments that guests can try. In fact, every single gallery in the museum has a a tiny area where you can pick up an instrument, play it. You don't have to know how to play it, but at least you have the opportunity to try it out. To me, that's the most important thing that we do at the museum is giving folks the chance to pick up an instrument and try it out. How fun is that? (laughs) How fun is that? That's awesome. It is a blast. And then finally, before you get to the exit of the museum, we have a special exhibition room, which is where you'll find currently the Les Paul exhibition, those 24 photographs of Les Paul's life. That is, it's that's actually a short-lived one. That'll be uh, exiting the end of May, 2022. And then following that, we're going to have that new special exhibition called What Good Is Music in late June, about June 21st is when we're going to open that. So that's going to be a fun experience too. But every time we open up a new story in that room, it's a lot of fun. It's fun researching, fun developing those ideas and fun seeing our audiences and guests react to them. This is awesome. I can't believe you're so close to me. I am going to go over there and I am going to, you're going to be at NAMM in June, right? I will be. Yes, our team will be. We The museum has a very small booth there. We're just going to talk about what we do there to everyone that attends the show. I can't believe it, but not everybody in the world is familiar with the, the NAM Museum of Making Music. I'm trying to change that one person at a time. Well, you're getting there. I mean, one podcast at a time. <laughs> exactly. I think it's wonderful. You're going to be really busy, though. If you're going to NAM early June and you have a new exhibit starting, what, the third week in June, that's... That's an intersection of a lot of work. I admire you a lot. You must love what you do. 
What kind of reaction do you get from people when they walk in? What's like a typical thing? A lot of it is being surprised because I don't know that people have expectations. I mean, certainly you have expectations when you walk into a museum, but I think we kind of blow those expectations out of the water, giving folks a chance to try out instruments and learn about why they have become what they are through the innovations of the manufacturers and realizing how they get from the maker to you and I. There's that whole process, that whole part of the story that nobody really thinks about. Your local music store, your online retailer, that's an important part of the chapter. They have to get to us somehow. And so it's fun to see those realizations come alive after you've experienced them. And then just being able to see folks as they get lost in that interactive area. And they can spend hours there. We've had folks come in early in the morning and when we open up at 10 a.m. and then still be there, you know, as we close shop at five o'clock at night. So it's a hoot to see that. And then also to see the kids connecting with music too. A lot of these school groups and tours, this might be the first time that the students are experiencing a musical instrument. As hard as that is for me to say, but it's a reality. And so being able to provide that opportunity to improve their experience and maybe give them an opportunity to try something they've never done and maybe change a life that way. Who knows? Music opens up their hearts, you know? There's a direct connection from research that I've read. There's a direct connection between facility in music and facility in math. The two are interconnected. And it's disappointing that the funding for the arts and music has gone down over the years. Actually, I was at the farmer's market here in San Diego on Saturday, and there was a group having people sign, please, let's support the arts and music. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because I would also encourage your listeners to go check out the NAM Foundation, namfoundation.org. They support and fund a lot of the research that is out there and a lot of the programs that are out there and a lot of the policy and advocacy. So if you're looking to find advocacy materials for keeping music in your schools or looking to support IFMR, the International Foundation for Music Research, namfoundation.org is a great destination to discover this information and what can be done to advocate for music, music in schools, and then music in our lives. Well, so get off of researching Henry Diltz for a minute and go to namfoundation.org, N-A-M-M, two M's as in mother, namfoundation.org. And what's the website for the museum? Tell people again. Super easy, museumofmakingmusic.org. There you go. And you're on social media. I found you on Instagram. It's so much fun seeing all this. Yeah, I really admire what you're doing very much. I'm grateful for it because we need more of this. And what you're doing for the love of music is really important. So anything we can do to help you at OWC Radio, let us know. And you're part of our family now because we've met, we've interviewed, and they know you very well over there. So they all send their regards. And I really thank you for your time so much. This was really great. BJ Morgan. Thanks, Serena. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he's BJ Morgan. I'm Serena Catania, and you've been listening to OWC Radio. And remember what I tell you guys every episode, get up off your chairs and go do something wonderful today. And if you're near Carlsbad, go visit the museum. All right. Thank you so much for your time. This is great. We'll stay in touch. Thank you, Serena. I'm looking forward to it. Take care. Take care.